Hey everybody, it's Andy. Welcome or welcome back to the Gwinnett Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, we would love it if you would take just a moment to download the Gwinnett Church app where you can have access to all of our recent message content as well as find out about what's going on around here at Gwinnett Church. And the app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend. Most importantly, however, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. So, um, so my wife is amazing, um, and I'm not just saying that because she's sitting over there. She wasn't here at the first service, and I said it too. So, um, but my wife, she's awesome. Uh, she's she's fun. She's funny. She's creative. She's organized. Um, without her, our family would, you know. Um, and so she she's all of those amazing things. And uh, you guys should know by now that whenever somebody starts off with that many amazing things, they're about to hit you with a ha. Um, and so, as amazing as she is. Uh, there is one thing that she's not amazing at. Uh, there's probably other ones, but we're only going to talk about this one. And so, um, and so there's this one thing, though, that she's not amazing at, and that is remembering where she sets her cell phone. Uh, and I don't know if anybody else like is like this. Maybe like uh, you forget often where you have put your phone. Anybody care to admit that? Yeah, you want to join my wife in the? Okay, yeah, exactly. The honesty zone. I like it. Circle of trust. And so, um, and so she is terrible about remembering where she puts her phone. And so, pretty on a on a pretty consistent basis, um, our family goes into like full scramble mode where uh, everyone's organized into this Easter egg hunt uh, around our house where we've got to locate mom's phone and um, and before anybody like you know sends me a tile in the mail or something like that we've tried it we've tried all the things right like we've tried all the little things you know I know Apple has their own version of it don't send it to me it will my wife will lose it and so um I know, you're like, where is it? We don't know. And so, uh, so that those, you know, we regularly have to like scramble the jets and like look around and try to find her phone. And we found it all over the house in every bathroom, in every closet, in the pantry. Um, we found it in the kids' drawers. I guess like, you know, she's putting up clothes. She's listening to her podcast, something about murder. And then, uh, and then she's, you know, like a true crime or whatever. And then she's left her phone there uh, or she, you know, leaves it in her closet or it's left in a pair of shoes. It's been left under the seat of a car. You find it in the couch, right? It's all over the place. She, for all of her amazing qualities, uh, is quite forgetful when it comes to where she puts her phone. And maybe, maybe you can relate. Uh, maybe you, you know, often misplace your phone. For you, maybe it's your keys. Um, uh, maybe it's, uh, maybe it's your wallet, right? Uh, maybe, maybe for you, it's your, it's your like reading glasses, and you're just like, where are my readers? I can't, you know. Uh, maybe it's your sunglasses, and you've done the thing where you're like yelling at everybody, like, which one of you wore my sunglasses? And they're on top of your head, and you're like. Okay. Right. And so, you know, maybe it was something like that. You know, we've, a lot of us, I I do the thing, like when I'm leaving the house where I'm like, you know what I mean? Like the, the tap, like where you're like, all right, keys, wallet, cell phone, you know what I mean? Like, and so just making sure that I don't leave something. And so you do that. Um, and, and you know, we, we all have a tendency though, to be forgetful in this. Right, it can happen from time to time, and when it's something like that, when it's like a, when it's a cell phone, when it's your keys, uh, when it's you know whatever your toddler's shoes, you know sometimes that happens. You know, like it's it's inconvenient, but you guys know this that like forgetfulness, while it can be inconvenient in some instances, when it comes to the things that matter most, it can actually be costly, right? 
Like forgetfulness at times can be inconvenient when it's just your cell phone or your keys or whatever, uh, it's inconvenient. But then when it comes to the most important things in our lives, when forgetfulness comes into play, then it can actually be costly. And uh, I was thinking about this. I know for me, um, I, I had an experience like this a couple years into our marriage. Um, uh, we, we had an instance where my forgetfulness cost us. And, uh, and, and it, was, uh, it was Valentine's Day. I know somebody said, oh Lord, right? Like, um, yeah, it was Valentine's Day and, um, and we were, you know, married for a couple years and, uh, and y'all, I just blanked on Valentine's Day. Like just didn't remember it at all. And we're not like, we're not like Hallmark holiday people where we're like, you know, we make a huge deal about Valentine's Day, but like it was, it was a thing, you know, like it's a thing. It happens on earth, right? Like, and so it's like, you should remember it. And uh, I just totally forgot. And uh, my wife was teaching at the time and uh, she had to watch all day as like her other teacher friends were like celebrated and like showered with love and appreciation and they're getting deliveries and they're getting, you know, flowers and cards and showing off like, oh yeah, look what it got me. You know what I mean? Like that kind of stuff. And my wife is like looking at her pile of invisible presents and is like, what? Like, and she's just feeling like, oh my gosh, like I, like, surely he's going to remember. And so she goes home that day and she's thinking that probably, you know, I'm going to do the thing that fellas that a lot of us do, which is at the end of the day, when we're driving home, we're like, oh yeah, that's right. And then we end up at Kroger or Publix in the line with all the other guys that forgot. And, uh, and so she's at least thinking, all right, he's at least going to do that, right? He's going to get the fadeaway flowers and like show up and at least give you a little, you know what I mean? Like, and try to make up for this. And, uh, and y'all, I did not, I literally just didn't think about it. Like, and I got home and I walked in the house, Hey girl, what's up? You know what I mean? Like, and I'm acting like it's just another day. Right. And I'm just like, Oh, what's up? How was your day? And she's kind of like, kind of give me the cold shoulder. I'm like, Oh my gosh, it must've been a hard day. Those kids were terrible, I guess, you know? And so I'm like, I don't know what's going on. We kind of have a quiet dinner. And, uh, and then, you know, we end up, you know, we're brushing our teeth that night. And as we're brushing our teeth, she just goes, I can't believe you. And I was like, what? And you know, when somebody says something like that, you're, you're immediately playing back to all the things. You're like, what was it? You know what I mean? Did I leave the seat up? Did I like, you know, like what happened? Did I eat all the leftovers? Like, I don't know. Like, you know, and so I was like, I was thinking, I was like, what did I do wrong? And she goes, Today is Valentine's Day. And I went, you know, that moment, right? Like, it's like, I can't believe this, right? Like, as she said it, I just felt my heart sink. And, uh, and she was, you know, she was upset and she wasn't, she was not mad, right? This was like the moment, you know, when your parents go, they're like, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. You know what I mean? Like, which is worse. You want them to yell at you, but when they say I'm disappointed, <laughs> you know, that's how this felt, right? This was this moment where she was like, she was like, yo, you, you didn't, you didn't text. You didn't call. You didn't even leave a note. Like sometimes you would leave a sticky note. She's like, you didn't even leave a sticky note. She's like, you didn't do nothing. She's like, Nothing really? She's like, that hurts. And y'all that hurt. And I realized in that moment, right? Like that, that my forgetfulness, sometimes it's inconvenient. Sometimes it's costly in the areas that matter most in the relationships that matter most in the things that matter most in our life. Forgetfulness can be more than inconvenient. It can actually be costly. You know, this, it can be in the area of your career in the area of your finances in personal health, 
in your most important relationships, when we get forgetful, it actually costs us. It's more than inconvenient. It's costly. And the reason why we're talking about that today, we're in a series, you guys, called uh, Things Christians Do and Why. And in this series, we're talking about some of the things that we do uh, as Christians and some of the things that, that we do in church that maybe we haven't always explained so well or we don't explain quite often enough. And so you come in and you see these and, and maybe you're seeing them for some of the first times or maybe you're, you've done these things for years in church, but nobody's ever stopped to explain why we do it. And so you just kind of go through it, but, but it seems strange or it seems it seems a, a, a little, little odd or, or maybe it, it just seems a little outdated. And so you're looking at these things and you're like, all right, I don't really get that. Like, like, what is it? Why do we do that? Why do we do that consistently? And so we're talking about some of those things in the hopes that as we talk about the reasons why we do some of the what's that we do, uh, that it'll give you a new appreciation that it'll, it'll help you to practice these things in a new way. And hopefully that you'll begin to experience the power in these practices. And so some of the things we've been talking about last week, we talked about singing. Why do we get together and corporately sing? Uh, next week, we're gonna be talking about baptism. Um, and then today though, what we're gonna be talking about is communion, which is why the bread and the juice, right? This is not a snack for mid-sermon, right? You were like, how long is he gonna talk? And so... <laughs> Yeah, long enough for me to eat this bread, right? So no, it, like the, the reason why these elements are up here is today we're talking about communion and, and many of you have, have been around church. If you've been around church before, you've probably seen communion in, in one form or another. It's, 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 a, it's a practice that Christians have uh, applied in their gatherings for thousands of years, right? And, and it's basically the taking of, of some bread and some juice and doing it to remember Jesus. And the reason why we do that is because, as we just said, like forgetfulness can be costly, especially in the areas that matter most. Forgetfulness can be costly. And this is especially true, you guys, in regards to our faith. When it comes to our faith lives, something that you need to understand is that forgetfulness is actually an enemy to your faith. Forgetfulness, like in, in the area of our faith, it's actually costly to us. When we forget about who God is, when we forget about what God's done, when we forget his promises towards us, when we forget uh, what he says about us, as we were even singing at the beginning of this, when we forget who he says we are, right? Like it's costly and we drift. When we forget about God and we forget about things that he's done, right? Like when we forget about the role uh, that he plays in our lives, when we forget about him, it can actually cost us our peace. It can cost us our character. It can cost us, right? Like our freedom, meaning like not like freedom like America, but like freedom as in like, freedom as in like you're striving to get God to love you versus actually living from a place of knowing that you're already loved by God. That striving is like slavery. It's a working constantly to try to earn something that God's going, I gave it to you freely. But when you forget that, then you find yourself back in a performance. And so when it comes to our faith, forgetfulness is actually an enemy to our faith and it's costly to us. And, and so God knows this about us, you guys. And, and all throughout scripture and all throughout history, because he knows how forgetful we can be. And because he knows that how costly that can be to us. And because he cares about us all throughout scripture and all throughout history, God has given us memory tools. 
instructions and invitations to remember him, right? And to fight against forgetfulness. And I'll give you just a few examples. For example, um, when the, the people of Israel were uh, crossing from the wilderness into the promised land, um, the leader of the people at the time, Joshua, who took over from Moses, Mr. Let My People Go, handed it off uh, to Joshua. And Joshua leads the people into the promised land. And as he's leading them into the promised land, God gives them some instructions. And he says, hey, when you cross over tomorrow, when you cross over this river on dry land, out of the riverbed, grab 12 stones, and then place them on the ground on the other side. And he says, stack them up, make a monument out of these 12 stones. And he says, I want you to make the monument so that later when your kids or when their kids ask you, hey, what's that big stack of stones? What's that all about? That you will be able to recall to them the story of how God led you out of the wilderness, out of slavery and into the promised land. And so this statue, this monument will stand as a reminder. He's like, I want you to be able to see it. So you remember because you're prone to forget and forgetfulness is costly. So he goes, I don't want you to forget so that you don't doubt and worry and stress in the future. So you remember how I showed up for you. And then in another instance, right, we see it again, uh, another, another rock instance, right? Like uh, the prophet Samuel, uh, who was a religious leader in Israel uh, at the time, uh, the prophet Samuel, he helps lead uh, the Israelites in a victory over the Philistine army at this battle that they probably shouldn't have won, but God shows up and, and they experience a great victory that day. And, and Samuel grabs this big rock and he calls it an Ebenezer, which is the stone of help. And he sets it at the place where they experience this victory. And he says, whenever people see this, they're gonna remember that the Lord has helped us thus far. He says, whenever you see it, it's gonna be a reminder because you're gonna be prone to forget. You're gonna have hard times that make you forget God's past provision, which makes you doubt his future faithfulness. And so in those moments when you're, when you're tempted to forget, you're gonna see the stone and you're gonna remember. And then another, one of probably the most powerful and important memory tools that God gave his people uh, in the Old Testament was this, this meal, a ritual meal called the Passover. When I say ritual, I don't mean like anything weird or cultish. When I say ritual, what I'm talking about is it was a meal that was practiced in a certain way on a certain day with a consistent rhythm. So that's what made it ritual, right? So it happened on a certain day in a certain way um, each year they would practice this. And they would have this meal together and, and, and the meal was a recreation of the meal that the Israelite people had on the night before God led them out of slavery in Egypt and into freedom. There was this very specific meal that God told them to have. And, and every year after that, they would have this meal and the meal was broken up, you guys, into four parts each part with, a, with, with some reciting of prayers and uh, some songs that they would sing. And then they would, they would have a cup, right? Not like this cup. This is more the Swanee mom cup, but this is, uh, I know. Uh, but a cup, like, I know. The Swanee moms are like, I feel seen. So, um, so, so, but they would, they would sit down, they would have this meal, there was a cup, it was broken up into four parts. Each cup had a significance and, and, and they, would, they would recite the story of when God saved them, when he brought them out of slavery and into freedom. And so they would, they would go through this routine and the first cup, they would remember what God had saved them from. They would remember that they were once slaves. They would, they would then raise a second cup and they would remember what it cost 
what it cost, that there were, there, were, there were actual plagues and that lives were lost and that their freedom was not in fact free. While it was free to them, it was not free. It cost somebody something. And so they would remember, they would remember what God saved them from. They would remember what it cost. They would remember that God had now delivered them to be his people. And so they would remember that he had not just saved them from something, but he had saved them for something. And then they would end the meal with the cup of praise. And they would sing songs and they would give thanks to God for what he'd done. And they would give God thanks in advance for what they knew he was going to do. That, that ultimately he was leading them somewhere and that the story wasn't yet finished. And so they would go through this whole meal and they would do this every year in order to fight forgetfulness and to remember God so that they didn't drift. So that they didn't drift into doubt and fear and dismay. So that they didn't drift from their personal close connection with God. They would, they would do this meal every single year. And I tell you that because you guys, the Passover, that's where we get communion. That's actually the roots of the Christian practice of communion. You see, for 1,300 years, they, the Israelite people would practice that. And then 1,300 years after that first Passover meal, uh, Jesus steps on the scene of history. God in human form. And he shows up and he begins preaching uh, a gospel of forgiveness of sins. And he begins to do miracles and he heals the sick and he raises the dead and he does things that are unexplainable, but they're also at the same time undeniable. People are drawn to him. And he begins to teach that he is in fact, the son of God, the savior of the world, the one that they would raise the cup of praise and hope and expectation for. And Jesus on the night that he was betrayed the night before he would be handed over to be crucified, Jesus sits down and he has this meal that we just talked about, the Passover meal. He sits down and he has the Passover meal with a group of his friends. Only this time it would be different because Jesus is gonna take the Passover and he's gonna transform it and give it a whole new meaning. I wanna show you this. <clears throat> this is in Luke 22. It says, when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles, they reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. And so Jesus is excited to sit down and share this memory with them. He wants to practice this meal with them, this specific meal with them. This one that was meant to be a memory tool and a reminder, Jesus says, this Passover meal, I'm excited that we're actually getting to do this together. I've been looking forward to it. He keeps going. It says, after taking the cup, he gave thanks. And he said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. So Jesus is telling them, hey, part of the reason why I'm excited to do this tonight with you guys. He's like, part of the reason why I'm excited to do this is we're not gonna do this again for a while. And you guys know that the longer it is, the longer uh, span comes from the time you've done something to the time you see someone again, the easier it is to forget, yes? The longer the time goes, the easier it is to forget. As a matter of fact, we're, we just told our kids we were taking them uh, to Disney next week, right? And so we're gonna take them to Disney and we've taken them to Disney before, but it's been a while. 
And so when we told them, they were like, yes. And then they were like, what is it? And we were like, what? Like it's Disney. You know what I mean? They were like, what happens there? And we're like, you've been, dude, you've been to Disney World. You've written all the things. You did the picture with the thing, with the giant mouse. You know what I mean? You cried the whole time. He was scary. You know, like, we're like, you don't remember? They could my son, he's six. He was like, I, I don't remember. Tell me about it. Tell me dad, show me on YouTube. You know what I mean? Like, He could not remember because the time had gone. And Jesus is going, man, I'm so excited we're getting to share this together. I'm so excited to get to share in this moment. It's gonna be a while before we do this again. And I know that the time can tend to lead us towards forgetfulness. So I'm glad that we're sharing this memory tool together because you're gonna need to practice it again and again and again so that you don't forget because there's gonna be some time that goes on. So he keeps going. He says, and he took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it. This is some serious bread. I promise I work out. He broke the bread and he gave thanks. He gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. He says, do this in remembrance of me. And then in the same way, After the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup, this is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. So Jesus says, hey, I'm glad we're getting to share this meal together, this memory tool together. It's gonna be a while before we're reunited and can do this again. And so I'm glad that we're able to do this and I'm able to show you what it's really gonna be all about. And so he says, hey, I want you to do this. Every time you do this now, he says, I want you to do this in remembrance of me. Now this is pretty wild what Jesus is doing here. Jesus is taking a practice, a ritual meal that these guys that are sitting down with him would have done their whole lives and their whole parents' lives and their whole parents' parents' lives. They'd, they'd done this meal and they'd done it. When they'd done it, they'd done it to remember Moses and how God had led the people out of slavery in Egypt, physical slavery in Egypt and into freedom. And now Jesus is stepping into this meal and he's transforming it. And you gotta think how wild this would be. I mean, if you've been around our churches before, you've heard our teaching pastor, Andy, talk about this, where he's like, this, this, like Jesus saying, do this now in remembrance of me is the equivalent of me getting up and saying, hey guys, this year Christmas is actually about my birthday, right? Which would be insane. If I ever do that, leave, go to another church. You know what I mean? Like somebody call me out, right? Like, hey, Reed, oh, I don't know what you're on, but you know, like that's crazy, right? And in this moment, this is what Jesus is doing though. He's like, hey, listen, For generations, you guys have practiced this and you've remembered God bringing you out of slavery in Egypt and into freedom. But now you guys, I just wanna show you there's a bigger thing going on here. And now no longer, he goes, I still want you to practice the meal. I still want you to practice the meal, but I want you to practice it now. And when you do it, I don't don't want you to remember slavery in Egypt and physical freedom. He says, I want you to remember that at one time you were a slave to sin and that sin separated you from God. And that sin caused you to mistreat one another. And now because of what I'm about to do, because my body is gonna be broken and my blood is gonna be shed, then now, Jesus says, now I want you to remember the fact that that because of my broken body and my blood spilled, that I'm setting you free from slavery to sin and death. 
And so now there will there need no longer be any more blood spilled, no more sacrifices. Mine will be the last. And he goes, you can remember that. He says, so now I want you to do this meal until I come back and we meet again. He says, I want you to do this meal and I want you to do so in remembrance of me. And these guys, they had to be confused. They had to be frustrated. They, they, they had to be like, what is going on? What are you talking about, Jesus? Until you guys, that night he was, just as he said he would be, he was betrayed by a good friend. And then he was handed over, he was arrested, he was beaten, and then he was crucified. And these guys, y'all, they, they saw his body broken and they saw him hanging bloody. And as they did, I can't help but imagine that they had to have been thinking about that meal and how he had broken the bread and said, my body is gonna be broken. And they're like, what are you talking about? My blood is gonna be spilled. And at first I'm sure they're thinking, what are you talking about? And then they saw it. And what had happened at that table happened in real life. And then he was put in a tomb, a borrowed tomb for three days. Three days later, he resurrected and they saw him and they had a meal together again. And they believed that Jesus really was who he said he was that he really was the savior of the world, the one that could forgive sins, the final sacrifice once and for all so that you don't have to sacrifice anything else in order to be right with God. And they believed that. And then this group of people, you guys, they took that message and they took it from town to town and place to place in other parts of the world. And, other, and as they went, you guys, this is, this, you gotta remember, this is before they ever had a Bible. There was no Bible at this time. So they would take it from place to place and they would go from place to place and they would take the message of Jesus. And in order to help people to learn the story of Jesus and in order to help people remember what Jesus had done, what they would do is they would take bread and they would take wine and they would do the meal. And they would practice this meal. And as they did, they would go through the story of Jesus and how he was broken and poured out for their forgiveness and for the forgiveness of many. And they would, they would, they would practice this. And, and, and sometimes there's questions about like, well, how often did they practice it? Because a lot of us come from traditions where, you know, maybe, maybe when you were growing up, it was every week. Or for some of you, you come from a tradition where it's like, hey, once a month, the first one of the month, we always do communion. Or if you've been around here, we just do it a, a few times a year. So the question sometimes is like, okay, well, they took this meal and they started to do it. How often did they do it? Good question. It varies all throughout the scriptures and all throughout the book of Acts when you see the history of the church. At the beginning of, every, at the beginning of the church, they would do it every day. So we'll see you guys tomorrow. You know what I mean? Like every day, right? Like every single day they would get together and they would, they, it says they devoted themselves, the apostles teaching, to prayer, to breaking bread and fellowship, right? So they would do this every day at the beginning. I think because it was so fresh and it was so like, oh, he did it. And so they were so excited about everything. They would do it every day. And then the church gets persecuted and it gets scattered. And then it's not every day. Then it becomes a little less frequent. And some people start doing it weekly when they can get together. And some people do it even less frequently than weekly because now they're scattered and it's like dangerous to even get together. And so they wouldn't practice it, but a few times. And then other people, they, they go back and they remember what Jesus said. And, and so some people in the church, they begin thinking, okay, well, Jesus said, whenever you do this, meaning Passover. And so they just practiced it once a year, the way the Jews would practice Passover. And so the frequency, right? Like is, is kind of all over the place. And the emphasis in scripture though, that you guys need to know is that the emphasis is not on how often we do it. The emphasis is that we do it and the posture we do it with. That's the emphasis. 
So the expectation is just that we do this so that we don't forget. And that when we do it, the posture we do it with is we're not checking a box, but we're doing it in remembrance of him. So that's communion. This beautiful, amazing memory tool to help us not to drift, not to dismay, not to doubt, to help us to remember who God is, what he has done for us through Jesus, to remember that we are loved and accepted and forgiven because his body was broken and his blood was poured out. So ours never has to be. And so that's communion. And that's why Christians for generations have practiced this together when they come together. And today you guys, we're gonna practice that. We're gonna practice communion. And, and what I want uh, us to think about as we do, right? As I said, it's not the frequency, but it's the posture. I want us to think about our posture as we're gonna go in and we're gonna participate in communion today. Um, for those of you that choose to, I wanna challenge us to do three things. Three things when it, comes to, when it comes to communion today. First thing, remember. The first thing that I want us to do is to remember. As I said, don't just go through the motions. Don't just check a box. Don't just get the bread and the juice, sit down, blah, blah, you know what I mean? And then just move on and start getting on your phone and checking scores or whatever. Like, like I want us to pause and to remember that this bread and this juice, it represents a real body that was broken, real blood that was shed so that you can have a real and authentic relationship with God. I want us to remember that. And so take some time and remember and give thanks and so we're gonna remember, I want us to reflect. When I say reflect, I mean, obviously we're remembering Jesus, but also uh, the apostle Paul taught a group of Christians when it came to their time of practicing communion, they had kind of gotten a little out of whack and he writes to remind them. He says, he says this in 1 Corinthians 11. He says, everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat the bread and drink from the cup. He says, examine yourself meaning think about your own heart's condition. Where are you at in your faith? Where are you at in your life? Where are you at with your closeness and connection to God? So where are you at? He says, so you should examine yourself. So during this time of communion, we remember, yes, we remember what Jesus did. And then we also do some self-reflection and we ask ourselves some questions. Oh, man, am I living from love or am I striving for love? Am I living from forgiveness or am I trying to work for it? We ask ourselves some questions. Hey, is there, any, is there any unforgiveness or bitterness in my heart? Are there any dark parts? Is there any sin in my heart that I've not allowed the gospel to penetrate, that I've not brought to God? We do some reflection there and we bring it to God. We look at our own lives and we go, is there any insecurity or comparison or worry or doubt or fear that I'm allowing to lead me instead of my faith? We ask ourselves the questions, hey, is my life representing the kingdom values that God gave us or am I more being led by culture? We ask ourselves the question, hey, am I, am I drawing near to Jesus? Am I growing closer to Jesus or am I drifting further away? Ask yourselves those questions. Confess those things to God. Ask him for help. And then the last thing that we do is we refresh. We refresh our commitment we go, God, I don't, I don't know what your week was like, but, but maybe you need to go, hey, God, this week I was stumbling and fumbling my way through, but I wanna renew my commitment to you. I wanna refresh my commitment to you. And I just wanna double down on trusting and following you. 
and we refresh our commitment and we go, Jesus, I trust you. I still trust you. I'm remembering right now and, and I'm, I'm doubling down. I wanna trust you. I wanna follow. And, and when we do that, what's amazing is in some mysterious supernatural way, by the power of the Holy Spirit, God meets with us and he refreshes our spirit. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. So we're gonna have communion here in a moment. And as we do, I want you to remember, I want you to reflect, I want you to refresh and to be refreshed. And here's what's gonna happen is there's some tables around. Uh, it's not a race. Uh, the first person to the table is not more spiritual. Neither is the last person. You know, the person's like, oh, all these people rushing, I'm remembering, you know what I mean? It's not a race. We're gonna go at the tables. You'll be able to get a piece of bread and you will remember that Jesus's body was broken for you. And you will receive a smaller cup than this. And you will remember that it was his blood that was shed for you for the forgiveness of sins and so that you can live full and free and loved. So we're gonna do that in a moment. Only caveat here is if you don't want to, you don't have to. If you're still not sure where you're at in your faith, if you're still not sure what you think about Jesus, I'm so glad that you're here. There is no pressure, no obligation to do this. So this is not a, everyone has to get up and do it and I'm taking attendance. This is one of those things that if you believe, if you trust, if you want to trust, you're invited. But if you're not there yet, that's okay. Just pass, sit where you're at. Let this moment be a time where you reflect. But for all who would come, you're invited. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna pray for us. And then when I'm done praying, at your own pace, you're invited to come to one of the tables that are around the room, receive the elements, bring them back to your seat, reflect, remember, refresh, and then take the elements as you feel led. So I'm gonna pray for us and then we'll take communion together. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you so much. Thank you that you care about who we're becoming. You care about where we're going. You care about our lives. You care about our spiritual lives. And I just pray right now that you would help us in this moment to remember you, not to go through the motions, not just to check a box, but to remember you, to reflect on our own lives and where we're at with you to refresh our commitment and our trust in following you. And I pray that as we do so, that our spirits would be refreshed. You would fill us with love, with grace, with goodness. You would fill us with your Holy Spirit, fresh and anew, so that we can now go and live in love just like you. So we thank you for this gift, this memory tool. Pray that you would help us to meet with you as we participate in it. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.